another episode of back of the grid um the season itself may be on a summer break but me and chris are here to i guess do a season review of sorts up to now of what we think people have been up to and how well they have done um so i guess we just get straight into it i don't know why i've introed it like that it's a very <laughs> weird intro isn't it <laughs> it's, it's unlike every other intro we've ever done but it's fine we'll just go with it my brain's like on summer holiday like their teams that's where i'm going with this yeah so sadly but, neither of us are actually on holiday unlike some people yes unlike some people we are <laughs> unfortunately sat in muggy old england <laughs> so i'm going to start with williams we'll just go through the grid i think that's the easiest way back to front yeah uh, talk a little bit about where they are this season where the drivers are head-to-heads things like that so we will start with Williams. So currently 10th, a single point from Robert Kubica. Um, so he sits 19th in the standings with that solo point. Russell is 20th with Nilpois. In terms of the heads-to-heads, though, it paints a very different story because you look at qualifying, and Russell is 12-0 against Kubica uh, with a best of 16th, and Kubica's best is 18th. And then in race finishes, Russell is winning 10-2 with his best result being in the 11th and Kubica's 10th, which got in the single point. Um, which tells the better tale, do you think, Chris? <laughs> <laughs> the, the, um, the head-to-head definitely tells more of an accurate story. I mean, obviously the one point was the race in Germany where literally anything could have happened. Mm-hmm. The race where um, suddenly Lance Stroll was leading and no one quite understood why. So <laughs> points are always going to be a bit weird there, but... Um... Yeah, it's pretty clear that Russell has been quite handily winning that uh, that battle, even if the points don't show it. I think a lot of people's predictions in last episode showed that everybody believes that Russell is generally doing a lot better. Yeah, I think pretty much every one of us um, shipped Kubica off, didn't we? We had, I think everyone had Latifi, well, most people had Latifi in that scene. Yeah, next most year. did. Um... Which, to be honest, I think the two of them as teammates would be quite a nice combination. Yeah, it would, it would actually, because I think they've probably raced together a few times over the years, haven't they? I would yeah, imagine. well, they were they will, they will have been in F2 together last year, I think, because Latifi was... was his, yeah. I'm trying to think if he was still there last year. I think he was, um, just not at the sharp end. Or if not, it was F3. So, um, yeah, it's, it's an interesting prospect to put a a rookie in alongside someone that's only been there a year. Yeah. But honestly, at this point in time, what have Williams got to lose? Like, Yeah, I mean, it's it's always... We've said this like the whole season. It's hard to tell exactly how they're doing because you can only really compare them against each other. And if that car was as fast as, say, an Alpha or a Renault or something, how far away in terms of the grid and the rest of the grid would they be? But... Sadly, the, with the gaps, it does genuinely look like Kubica has just not got the pace, really. Either that or Russell has got an insane amount of pace. But again, it's very difficult to tell. I mean, in all honesty, it's probably a bit of both. But I think Russell is really, really driving that car beyond its limits at times. 
Um, yeah. I mean, he's qualifying in Hungary, for example. He very nearly made Q2 in a car which is not a Q2 car at all. Yeah, and I think there's been, there has been some changes between the cars themselves, as in there was a little bit of speculation earlier in the season, if you remember, that they thought there may be an issue with Kibitza's chassis, I yeah. think it was, or something to that degree. And they made some swaps and Russell was still doing better even after the swap. So it, it hinted that either the problem wasn't what they thought or Russell is just a lot faster at the minute. Yeah. I mean, for Williams as a whole, it's obviously just a really miserable season for them. There's mm-hmm. There has been glimmers of hope. Like They're definitely going in the right direction and there's been at least like smaller windows of time where they've been actually fighting with other cars. Yeah. I I guess the argument against what we've all, or the majority of us with the predictions have gone for with Latifi going into the car alongside Russell next year is would that youth and lack of experience in F1 actually maybe hinder the development more? And could, could that end up causing problems? Yeah, that's a good point. it's only just kind of come to me now while we're having this conversation, but it's kind of why when um, when Bottas moved to Mercedes, they bought Massa back rather than bringing a young driver yeah. because they wanted to have that more experienced driver there, which I guess over the years has tended to be the Williams way. Yeah, um, it also makes sense why Kubitz is in the seat alongside Russell because even though he's not been in the sport for a while, he's been in motorsport in general, um, around and about, uh, even after his accident uh, with his wrist, uh, with his arm and everything, he's, yeah. he's still competing in other sports, uh, motorsports since. So he's got a wealth of experience to tap into, even if it's not current F1. But I guess maybe that's that's the difference, isn't it? George has come through F2 and things that are a little bit more similar to the current spec of F1. And... Kibitz is coming from a long time away from this kind of sport in general, I guess. Yeah, true. I guess a lot as well depends on how confident they are in what they'll be able to do next year. And the car as as well. If you've not got the confidence in the car, you're not going to want to throw it flat out into a rouge, for example, in, <laughs> yeah, exactly. in a couple of weeks' time. So, but Yeah, I think overall, obviously, it's not a great year for Williams at all, but Russell has been definitely giving them some things to smile about. It's, it's, yeah. I still think he's a very, very exciting young driver. And it's very good that Mercedes are giving him that time to sort of develop his craft further down the grid rather than just throwing him in the deep end. I mean, Toto Wolff has yeah. basically already said in as many words that he's at Williams for the foreseeable future while he kind of gets up to speed. So, Yeah. And I think that's fair. Like that that's yeah, the best way to do it. It's it's basically the exact opposite approach to the Red Bull. Yes, approach, it is. I'm sure we'll get to it at some point. <laughs> um but moving on from Williams onto Haas. So Haas are ninth, twenty-six points racked up. Um Magnussen is thirteenth in the standings with eighteen points. Grosjean is seventeenth with just eight. Um in terms of the head to heads, it's a little bit closer. Um Magnussen's 7-5 in qualifying with a best of fifth to Grosjean's best of sixth. Uh, and then race performances, Magnussen's 6-5. And the only reason it's 6-5 there and not 7-5 is because they both DNF'd in Britain at Silverstone. Yes. 
so by crashing into a, each other. It's a tie, I guess. <laughs> there. Yeah. So underperformers of the year so far, maybe. I was, I was about to say, I although they obviously got some points on the board, I actually think they're having a worse season compared to where they were going into it than Williams are having this year. Like Williams were always going to be struggling, whereas Haas, after the last couple of years, should have just been keeping that momentum and they've just been absolutely nowhere. It's We've been saying from the first race that it's still the case that they still just don't seem to understand their car and the tyres especially, they just seem to be completely at sea with. Um, it, it's a very odd scenario that they're in, isn't it? Like To put this in perspective, um, Magnussen, Q3, 6 out of 12. Um, Grosjean, 5 Q3 appearances. But both between them, um, only top three. Sorry, only three top ten finishes each. Yeah, so they just go backwards, don't they? It's it is clearly a race pace issue, and it's it's very odd because in testing, I know we were looking at this car thinking Ooh, we might be able to expect a little bit of something from the Haas. Like it, it it seems to have potential along with the Alpha as well, which yeah. seems to have dipped off a little bit. Um, and we all sort of started scratching his heads thinking is this the tyre thing that we think Ferrari's got a problem with as well and is there any any link to the Ferrari powered engines having issues because of something to do with the powertrain or well we still don't know do we no. <laughs> but... I mean all, all, all we do know is by this point last season they had had a fourth, a couple of fifth, a couple of sixth, a bunch of sevenths and eighths and as you say this season they've just gone basically backwards every race sixth is yeah. their best finish isn't it and i've had one of them yeah they just seem completely lost at sea and it's it's hard to see them really turning that around i've talked a lot about it and it's just you know we're over halfway through the season now and they've still not managed it yeah. um you gotta wonder when they're just gonna write this year off really haven't you yeah potentially and the other thing with it as well is i don't think it helps that they have such a a rivalry between the two drivers, like it's no. a heated fight going on between the drivers because in a team that's performing, that can actually be a good thing because it's propelling them both to better performances overall because they, they're more determined to beat each other. But in a team that's already struggling with finding performance, I can imagine that there's a lot of... Um, kind of caginess between the two of them. Like, if they do find something in the car... They they want to keep that to themselves yeah. because they they're so desperate to beat the other guy and it's a bit different. Um, and I think it's why maybe Renault's more likely to get out of the slump and Racing Point are more likely to get out of the slump than Haas because Haas have got this turmoil between two drivers, whereas at least with Racing Point and Renault, the things are a lot more settled between the two drivers with respect for each other and stuff like that. So they're more keen on working together to to bring the team up. Yeah. Whereas Haas doesn't seem to have that, or at least it doesn't feel like Haas have that at the moment. Well, Silverstone, which you already mentioned, was like that was their seed in a nutshell, basically. Silverstone was when mm. they first said, we're going to bring current spec car and Australia spec car. We'll compare them, try and work out, you know, how we move forward from here. <laughs> and their drivers crashed into each other on the first lap and they got basically no data. And like that just kind of yeah. sums them up, doesn't it? It's You're right. They're very much driving for themselves first and the team second, I think, which is exactly yeah. what they don't need given their current predicament. 
Agreed. Um, racing point, I sort of touched on them a minute ago, I guess. Eighth currently above Haas, 31 points, so not too far ahead of them, only five points ahead of them. Uh, Perez currently 16th with 13 points. Stroll above him in 12th with 18 points. But I like to point out that this <laughs> is, bearing in mind, 12 of those points alone are from his fourth place in Germany. Not to take that away from him, but as we kind of mentioned with the Kibitza point, it it's... One of those races where anything could have happened, I guess. Yeah. Um, in terms of head-to-head, I think qualifying tells a very different story where <laughs> we've got Perez winning all 12 rounds with his highest being a fifth, Stroll's highest a 15th in qualifying, <sighs> which is a huge gap between teammates when it comes to quality pace. Yeah. Um, race pace is a little bit different. You've got um, an eighth, uh, sorry, eight wins for Perez over Stroll's four, and... Perez's highest finish was a sixth compared to the fourth that we've already talked about for Stroll. And I'm interested, actually, what his highest finish would be if it wasn't for that. Let me just check. Um, um, it would be ninth, ninth yeah. Because he's got three ninths. Stroll's actually been in the points more times than Perez this season as well. Yeah. Although Perez tends to finish ahead of him, when Stroll does end up ahead, he tends to be in the points. Hmm. It's a weird one, and Perez has actually not been in the points for quite a long time. It was, what, um, Baku was the last time he scored any points? Uh, yeah, I believe it was. So um, it's... Yeah, it's a long time. It's, it's a difficult one at the minute, a racing point. I feel like both the drivers and the car have disappeared into a bit of a no-man's land where everyone's kind of almost forgot about them because... No one's really talking about them as a team, the drivers, no. or anything like that. And the, the the big talking point, I guess, was the stroll finish in Germany. Um, but then that was it. After that, we were sort yeah. of just back to not forgetting that they're there, but just they seem to be the most absent team, I guess, when it yeah. comes to a podcast like us. We, when did we last talk about them properly, I guess? <laughs> The only time we talk about it is when one of us accidentally says Force India and then someone else corrects them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and maybe that goes to show how little people are talking about racing. Yeah, because the new name hasn't stuck yet. Yeah, we still haven't got the new name right properly. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I mean, the, the team's clearly underperforming. Like, this is a team that managed to finish fourth in the championship for, what was it, three seasons in a row, I think? Um, yeah. And obviously, they had their struggles over the last few years, which is why they're no racing point. And they've got rebuilding to do but I, I don't feel like the drivers are really making the most of the car either i think perez is having not a great season by his standards yeah um and i think stroll is massively underperforming qualifying especially he's just he's nowhere his qualifying pace has just disappeared yeah it's, um, it's, it's very odd i think <laughs> i mean he's 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 been out qualified by a williams from time to time which is Again, with all due respect to Williams, they shouldn't really be out of qualifying anyone in their current yeah. uh, state. And I mean, like, I remember Monaco this year, Stroll was just so much slower than everybody else. He just looked completely out of his depth. And there's been a few races like that. Um, as we said last week, he was probably going to keep his seat next year anyway. But yeah, I think all round, just, just poor all round, really, for racing points. Yeah, hope, hopefully they maybe already know what they're working with and can improve that for next season. 
Yeah, I mean, they have the money, they have the personnel, they should be able to. Fingers um, crossed. Yes. Because I, like, I don't like to see a team like that struggle. To be honest. I don't want another team to end up, I guess, in the, in the Williams way where they're kind of a bit stuck at the back and struggling to catch yeah. back up. Um, so, yeah, it'd be, it'd be nice to see these teams get on top of what's going on, I guess. Yeah, they're 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 a good team for Formula One. I think a lot of people have a soft spot for them. It's I I doubt it's the case now, but it was always the team that kind of had the most bang for their buck. Like their points earned versus pounds spent was ridiculous compared to everybody else. Um, yeah, they're with the kind of new money behind them. They're maybe not quite the plucky underdog they used to be, but it'd still be nice to see them doing better. Definitely. Um. A- Team only a single point ahead of them, however, is Alfa Romeo in seventh on 32 points. Raikkonen pretty much leading the way on this one. <laughs> so he's currently eighth in the standings on 31 points. Giovinazzi on one point in 18th. Um, I guess this is probably one of the bigger gaps other than maybe the Red Bull one. I don't know. Between two drivers. Yeah, I think it probably is. Um, I mean, Raikkonen, I think, is having the absolute time of his life there. It's yeah. just, he's got away from the kind of spotlight of being a front-running team, got away from all the Ferrari kind of nonsense. Um, he, he just seems to be able to go and do what he wants now. <laughs> like, I think it shows in his performance as well. It like, really does. To be that far ahead of his teammate. And I don't think Giovinazzi's had a a bad season particularly I just think that Raikkonen's just a seasoned professional isn't he like he's been around it so much yeah Giovinazzi's got stuff to learn like I know we've seen him a couple of times in the past uh, when the team was still sauber but he's still learning it technically I guess he's a rookie because it's his first full season even though he has had a couple of races before so by the definition of it, it is his rookie season. Yeah. So I don't think it's too bad to be a little bit of a way behind a guy who's a world champion and clearly still quite high up, like if not at yeah. the top of his game. So in terms of the heads to head, I forgot to mention them. Um, Raikkonen's winning qualifying 8-4 with a highest of fifth and Giovinazzi's got a highest of eighth. In, in race finishes, Raikkonen's got uh, 11-1 over Giovinazzi. Uh, Raikkonen's finished seven three times. That's his highest. Uh, Giovinazzi's been in the points just the once uh, in tenth for the single point. So, yeah, I yeah, I completely agree. Like Giovinazzi's got a really hard time with who he's being compared to because yeah. I, I genuinely think Raikkonen's probably driving as well as he ever has right now, and I think a lot of that is the fact that. In this team, he gets to turn up, drive the car, go back home again, post some videos on Instagram of him <laughs> cliff diving or riding a quad bike and no one at the team tells him he's not allowed to do it. And then he yeah. rocks up again at the next race and does it all over again. Like it's He's in his like perfect Formula 1 bubble, I think, right now, other than the like mandatory media stuff that he has to do. Uh, but yeah, like the, as a team, they're still doing good. They're... At this point, last year, they'd kind of picked up a few ninths and tenths, whereas this season, it's kind of more sixth, seventh, eighth. So they're definitely 
yeah. heading in the right direction. I'm sure the Ferrari engine helps a lot. Yeah, and I think as well from a development perspective, what Kimi already knows about the Ferrari engine because of working with it so closely and then also just his wealth of experience. I think if there's anyone that's going to help them capitalise on those things and, and going into the next generation of car, it's probably a good guy to have alongside them. Um, I don't think there's many better people to have in sort of that situation. Yeah, I've seen a few things floating around this week about like Kimmy's fully committed to the Alpha project and, and stuff like that, which, to be honest, like what you're saying with, with the sort of good time he appears to be having, <laughs> I can't see why he'd want to leave at the minute and I don't see why they'd want to let him go at the minute either. Like If they're, they're willing to pay his wage bill and he's happy to stay. Exactly. Why not? You know, he's a good and guy th- to have. And th- there was there was sort of talk of it um, when this deal first happened that whenever he does decide he's done with driving, there's space for him to kind of move more into a running the team kind of role if he so desires as well. So, Can you imagine Kimmy as a... <laughs> <laughs> as a team manager or something. <laughs> I don't know how well that'd go down. <laughs> I think he'd be better in like a, a driver development role or something like that. Yeah. Or like test test facilities yeah. or something. Yeah, be interesting to see though. <laughs> it would. Another somewhat underperforming team is Renault. They are sixth with 39 points. Uh, Ricardo is 11th with 22 of those, and Hulkenberg is 14th with seven. Um, in terms of head to heads, it's fairly close between the two of them. Ricardo winning qualifying 8 4 with the high place of fourth, and Hulkenberg's highest place of seventh. And then races, Ricardo is beating Hulkenberg 6 4 there because of double DNFs in Bahrain and Germany. So there's only 10 races to go by. Um, Ricardo's highest finish was sixth, and Hulkenberg's had a couple of sevenths. So overall, I think it's it's fairly close between the two of them. Closer than you may have expected, actually. Yeah. I think a lot of people expected Ricardo to trounce Hulkenberg, and that's not really panned out, has it? No, I think part of that's maybe Danny adjusting to what is... A different car in many ways not only the performance level of it but i think the configuration in general will be different to what he's used to and i remember making a point earlier in the season where the thing that i noticed a lot about danny rick this year was in those heavy braking zones where he was famous for being very very late on the pedal uh, to get that dive up the inside he was locking up and like it was causing him to, to run wide or have to back out of moves. And I think it's just him having to adjust to a car that's A, not up to the same standards as what he was used to at Red Bull, but B, also a different kind of car because he potentially can't drive it in the same way that he could drive the Red Bull because of the, the aero configuration and so on. And it's just a very different thing for him. Yeah, it's just like it feels like an overall lack of confidence in what the car can do, isn't it? Like the mm. Red Bull, he knew he could drive that to its absolute limits, and he if he braked twenty meters later than he had all weekend, he'd probably be able to pull it off. Whereas in this Renault, it's kind of a bit more of an adventure <laughs> driving that yeah. car. I think definitely. Um, I, I think I think Hulkenberg's doing about as 
well as you'd expect him to do. And I think Daniel's probably upset and feels he's underperforming. And and I wouldn't necessarily personally call it underperforming, but knowing what Danny Rick's like, I think he'll feel that he can do better than what he's currently doing. Yeah. Even if the car's not that much better than what we're seeing, I guess. Like, I don't think he'd be happy that Hulkenberg is that close to him in standings and points and so on. Um, yeah, definitely. Um, you, but as you, you say, I think that's more Ricardo not doing as well as he could be rather than Hulkenberg mm. being that close to him. I think Hulkenberg's probably doing a Hulkenberg level of work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I think that's maybe why Danny would feel that he could do better, I guess. Yeah. So... All in all, just quite disappointing from Renault, though. They, mm-hmm. I, mean, I know we always say that they're at this point they're really there for the new rule set in 2021, but you'd have wanted them to make some more inroads as, at this point. As daft as it sounds, I think we've used that excuse for Renault for like two years now. Of, yeah, we really have. <laughs> have they really kind of stopped bothering with the current spec and looking more ahead to the future spec and just seeing what they can do with it. And if they don't actually pull something out of the bag with the new spec, then it will make you wonder what all this was for. I mean, ultimately, they're a manufacturer spending manufactured money and they're being beaten by their customer team quite handily. And that's, if nothing else, that is a measure of how much they're failing right now. Yeah. Yeah, like there's one, two, there's three privateers above them. Uh, Well, I guess you call them privateers. Mm. Depends on how you want to put it. But um, like two are Honda powered and one's another Renault powered car. Yeah. So they (laughs) should be ahead of all of them. Yeah, like they ended up between them and Red Bull, they parted ways because. Renault didn't like being beaten by a customer team and Red Bull didn't like being let down by poor reliability um, in terms of the engine. And it's it's interesting that they probably thought, ah, well, at least we won't lose to any of our customers now. And suddenly McLaren are there or thereabouts <laughs> yeah. starting to look at mixing it with the front runners. And... It just, I guess, it just shows that like there's there's maybe something wrong from a, a car development point of view at Renault that needs looking at because if McLaren can turn around what they had to get to where they are now, then in my opinion, Renault as a manufacturer should be able to do the same thing. Oh, absolutely. I'll tell you when when we'll know Renault have sorted it out is when they unveil a car at the start of a season, and it's painted in the blue and yellow sort of livery that um, Alonso had when he won his titles because there's been (laughs) rumblings about that livery coming back for a few years and I really feel like they don't want to just stick that in the car and come mid-table again they want to they want to do that when they're back to like championship contention so I think if we get a car launch and it's yellow and blue then we can be excited about Renault again so you think that the key's in the livery they'll only put the livery on it when they think they've got something good yeah absolutely Okay, interesting, interesting theory. I like it. Um, <laughs> moving on to Toro Rosso, fifth with forty-three points in the constructors. Uh, Kvyat is ninth with twenty-seven points. Albon fifteenth with sixteen points. In terms of head-to-head, 
Um, again, one of those where the points doesn't necessarily tell the whole story, I think. Uh, Kvyat's winning 7-5 in qualifying um, with a sixth place and as his best, and Albon a ninth place as his best. And then in race finishers, Kvyat's winning 8-4 uh, with the third, the podium that we were all talking about, and uh, a sixth for Albon. So I think it's fairly close. Um I think the fact that Red Bull are willing to move Albon into the the big car, as we could call uh-huh. it, the, the main car, probably shows that they are impressed with what he is doing alongside Kvyat. Yeah, definitely. Um, uh, I think they're having a really solid season. Um, I was yeah. just looking, actually, because obviously they have that podium, which kind of inflates their points total. But even mm. if you took those points off them, they'd only drop one position and be a point or two behind Renault. So they are genuinely in that fifth or sixth level. Um yeah, it's that they're, they're they're doing really quite well. I think they're one of the more impressive performances this year. Um mm. both drivers doing a solid job. Um whether well both drivers as of a week ago anyway. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> For the purpose of this we'll still take a VS and L one. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm honestly quite impressed with Toro this year. I think they've been fairly solid. Um, I think what does tell, though, is that those few teams that we've just covered going back from Toro right down to Racing Point, there's only 12 points in that. So between now and the end of the season, there's still plenty to play for for all those teams. Oh, absolutely. And even Haas aren't that far away on 26 points. Like, I just don't think that... I think they're beyond saving this season now is with the problems that they've had. I think that's yeah. Hass's problem. But, but from Racing Point up to Toro Rosso, the, you know, those four teams could finish in any order by the end of the year with the way that they're going at the minute. Yeah, completely. Just going back to Albon, I think he has been mm. super impressive this year, considering he'd never driven a Formula 1 car until February this year. Yeah. Um, yeah. He's, he's, he's picked it up pretty quickly. Um... And I, I just love how kind of honest he is and very upfront about his mistakes and about the kind of gaps in his knowledge and stuff. Um, it's not very often you get to watch an F1 driver learning like that Heck and yeah. actually hearing so much about what the process of learning to be an F1 driver is like. Yeah, I think um, we see that with all, all three of um those graduates this year though because yeah definitely i think you see a lot of the same traits with george russell and lando norris like there are all three of them are very good to camera and to media um they speak well they speak with like authority you know what i mean they they don't sound like rookies they sound like they've been around it a long time and i enjoy listening to all three of them yeah me too like maybe slightly different reasons for each but They've they've all got this they've all got this respect I think with within the paddock and then the wider media and stuff like that that they aren't just kids they know what they're talking about um, and in fairness they you know they're in between nineteen and twenty and stuff aren't they so they're not like <laughs> kid kids but I guess in terms of the age of a Formula One are. driver they are yeah, yeah. to us they are. Um, <laughs> But yeah, I, I, I like the way all three of them are just both on track and off track. Um, and it's yeah, absolutely. a bit of a breath of fresh air, I guess, to have that coming through from F2. Yeah. Do we? How do you think Albon is going to get on at Red Bull? What, what do you realistically expect from him, knowing what we know from being at the halfway point now? I think 
at the very least for the first few races, he's going to be where Gasly was, maybe even a bit slower. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to say he's going to close the gap up as the rest of the season goes on. Yeah. The the speed he's learned things in this first half of a season of F1 he's done, it gives you some confidence, I think, that he can carry on that learning curve, albeit in a much faster car at the pointy end of the grid. But I yeah. think it's going to take a few races to get there. I think when he finishes in like 12th in Belgium, we shouldn't all panic immediately and think Red <laughs> Bull have ruined him or made the wrong decision or something like that. Yeah, it's it's going to be a very different car for sure. Yes. That's why it's so much further up the standings. Exactly, yeah. Um, It would be interesting to compare his half of the season to um, Gasly's. And it's it's an interesting one because you can't make a a direct comparison, I don't think. The reason being is, one, what's left of the season is obviously a shorter period of time. There's less races. But two... There's the car development that will have happened, and also there's the the difference in the tracks. Like, there's a very different set of tracks coming up to some of the ones that we've had previously before now. So it'll be difficult to make a direct comparison between Gasly and Albon, but I think we'll get a decent idea as to which of the two of them is more likely to get the Red Bull seat if it's not Kvyat for next year. Yeah. Just looking, he's currently 47 points behind Gasly. So mm. he'd need to score. Um, if he can come sort of seventh or eighth in every race, that that should give him... No, sorry. Yeah, yeah, seventh or eighth in every race. That should give him enough points to overhaul Gasly by the end of the season, which yeah, is not there's... impossible. Yeah, there's nine races left, isn't there? So if he's if he's finishing six or seven points above Gasly, he'll, he'll yeah. use a leapfrog him. But it all depends on when Gasly finishes. Well, exactly, yeah. Which, and as we've said, the Toro Rosso is not a bad car this year. So Gasly's, it's not like Gasly's going to stop scoring points. Yeah, it, it'll come back to if we see the Gasly of fight back mentality that was mentioned last week. Or yes. if, it's, if it's a deflated Gasly that feels down over the, the change. Um, and I hope yeah. it's the I hope it's the former. I hope it's the fact that it's a Boyd Gasly that's like I'm gonna prove that that was a mistake and that they should have me back. Yeah, likewise. Unless he decides he just doesn't want to be back and starts knocking on other people's doors, saying, "You know that I'm better than that. You know, <laughs> you know that I'm like watch me for the rest of the season and give me a contract at the end of the year." <laughs> who knows who he's gone talking to about that kind of thing? Yeah, I kind of hope he has as well a little bit. Yeah, me too. Like, I hope he's knocked on Renault's door and said, "You want a French driver? Watch <laughs> me in a Toro Rosso outperform Hulkenberg for the rest of the yeah. season, and give me a job at the end of the year." And there goes some of that grid that we <laughs> fantasized yeah. last week. <laughs> yeah, it might really come, is. I've never considered come, that. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if he tried, but obviously, it all depends on Red Bull contracts, doesn't it? Cause exactly. Yeah, they That's are a big if red tape um mclaren ahead of toro rosso fourth in the constructors with 82 points science is seventh with 58 of those points norris 10th with 24 in terms of head to head um science is actually losing in quality to norris it's 8-4 norris in qualifying 
Norris has a best of fifth. Sainz has a best of sixth. In terms of races, though, it's the other way around with Sainz beating Norris 9-3. Sainz has a couple of fifth places and Norris has a couple of sixths. But altogether, I think it's been fairly close between the two of them. Sainz has clearly matured and, and found a place I think he really feels at home and it's bringing the best out of him where I think in the Red Bull program and then the Renault program, he wasn't always that comfortable and didn't maybe didn't feel quite quite as appreciated or as wanted as he as he maybe feels he should be. And I think he's got the exact opposite that of that now at McLaren, which is probably helping. Yeah, he really has. He's got a he's he's now kind of the senior member of a team in a team that actually wanted him and went after him he's got a teammate that he actually gets on really well with which he has not had for a few years yeah um yeah this is i think this is the best of signs we've seen he's he's doing really well um and norris obviously already talked about his the, the, the head-to-heads kind of would be what you'd expect having watched norris in f2 because he was always a very good qualifier there but his race pace was maybe not quite as good as others yeah um but he's he's, he's over one lap norris is very quick. He's putting some really good performances. Yeah. I think you just got to work on that race consistency, like you say, in terms yeah. of the finishes. And I think early in the season we saw him um like especially Spain. I remember talking about like him uh when he went out, sort of maybe putting his car somewhere that experience would have told him not to. And yeah. he's it's learning from things like that, which I think he is doing, but to be tenth in the standings in your rookie season in a car that most people thought would be like down the bottom end is good for both a team perspective and his perspective as well. Um, yeah, um, I, I, I'm a little bit torn between the the rookies as to who's performed the best because we've we've covered them all now, haven't we? So it's so hard to judge, isn't it? Like I think, unfortunately for Giovinazzi, he is last place of the rookies. Um, and not because he's like underperformed. I think it's just A, who he's up against, and B, just how well the others have performed. Yeah. If you had to he... choose one gun to your head, who do you think it'd be? I think I would actually say Russell if I had to choose from. He just... He's obviously putting in some very, very good performances in that car. Mm. The fact that he's like in a position to out-qualify people or race other people at all is impressive. Um, and he always just looks, whenever you see his onboards, he just looks so, the way he drives is very calm and in control. It's not kind of seesawing around and throwing into corners. He just... There's something about his driving that I just find very, very impressive, especially if I've seen a couple of people who've put him and Kubitzas on board side by side. And it's like you're watching people driving two completely different cars, like Kubitzas soaring at it and catching Mm -hmm. over steer and throwing it around. And Russell just seems to... its I hasten to say it's almost Jensen Button-esque the way he drives, which obviously very much appeals to me. (laughs) Yeah, he is very, very smooth. Um, And you you do see exactly that. But you also see it from sort of Lewis, Valtteri, Max, Seb. Like the the reason that they're the top of the grid and they've got the best seats is because they drive like that. And that is the best way to get out the the performance out of the car. Even if it's not got much, that's the best way to go about doing it. Um, 
it makes me wonder if that is maybe Robert just struggling with how much the cars have changed yeah, possibly. since he was last in them. Because it is a very different beast now, the the car. And I don't know, maybe over time he would adjust to it. I just don't know if Williams can afford to give him that time. No, that's the problem. So. Um, whereas I, I do think Russell is getting absolutely everything out of that car and yeah. a bit more sometimes. Yeah, I think that I'd probably incline to agree with you, which is going with Russell as best rookie so far. Um, maybe that's just because I think that people might be a little bit too drawn to um, Norris and Albon because of their position in in terms of the teams and stuff. I don't want Russell to go unnoticed just because yeah. he's at the back of the grid in the slow car. But yeah, totally. I think that there's definitely an argument for him being numero uno so far. Just going back to McLaren for a second, mm. I've seen kind of a lot of people online and stuff. Like, obviously, this midseason is a good time to judge where people have got. And I've seen a lot of people kind of saying McLaren are like overachieving or like the achievers of the season. And while, yes, where they are is very impressive, I do feel like this is McLaren achieving what they're at a minimum what they should be it's kind oh, of yeah. yes they're overachieving compared to where they've been the last sort of four or five years but this is actually exactly where mclaren should be at a bare minimum and they really given their resources should be much further up than this i mean you look yeah. at the gap they're on 82 points rebel are on 244 ahead of them like mm-hmm. although they're fourth they're they're very fourth. They're fourth and nowhere near third. Yeah, they are very no man's land at the minute. Like almost double the points of Toro Rosso behind them, but they're so far away from Red Bull. Like you say, they're not even close. Yeah, but Do, very good to see them go in the right direction. Yeah, it's positive signs. Like especially being a McLaren fan at heart, that's that's hmm. positive to me. Like that's and I think yeah, I think overachiever is the wrong word. Most improved. Is probably the yeah, definitely word. most improved, um, and I think that's probably a better way of describing it. But I, I, I get why people are saying it, like you say. Oh yeah, completely. Um, On to another ever improving team is <laughs> Red Bull, who are third, as you just said, with two hundred forty-four points. Uh, Verstappen is third in the drivers as well with one hundred eighty-one. Gasly, as it was at the time, <laughs> was sixth <laughs> with sixty-three points. Um, obviously, Albon will be taking that seat for the remainder of the season. In terms of head-to-head before that change, um, let's see. I think this one's obvious to most before I even read it. Qualifying, Mm -hmm. Verstappen won 11-1 with a pole. Uh, Gasly's best was a fourth. Races, Verstappen again wins 11-1 with two wins uh, as his best finishing position. Gasly's best was uh, a single fourth-place finish. Um, it's very obvious there was a, a big gap between the two of them I think wasn't it yeah yeah it's it's been very disappointing for Gasly like we've tried to defend him a lot and he's shown moments of being quick like uh, Silverstone especially he was actually really impressive there mm. but it has been a disappointing year for him well half a year and We've kind of always talked about it, but you just have to hope that this move back to Toro Rosso works out for him and he can make the most of it and turn things around again. Yeah, and I think one of the things as well with the qualifying is um, 
Max is unlucky in Canada, which is when Gasly beat him from a qualifying perspective. So, yes, yeah. that could have easily been 12 nil in, in qualifying yeah. alone. Um, and then again, the other thing was in Silverstone when Vettel was up the back end of Verstappen. That was the time that Gasly finished ahead of him in the race, I think, was it not? Yeah, I believe it was. So it's... Yeah, those those 11 ones could very easily have been 12 nothings. Yeah, totally. Um, and I saw a, a bit of a damning thing about qualifying as well, which was that apparently the average qualifying difference between the two of them is half a second, which... <sighs> It's it's not it's not a great look, is it? No, <laughs> not a great look at all. Not good at all. No. How we, we've kind of talked about, but haven't we? I suppose we shouldn't. We don't really need to get back into that. But it will be interesting to see how he stacks up against Max for sure. It really will. It's probably the most difficult seat to get into in Formula One. I would say. Yeah. Like Verstappen is just riding so high right now he's driving better than he ever has um mm-hmm. it, it, i think album just has to go into it knowing he's not going to beat him knowing yeah. he's probably going to be way off the pace it's just about doing his job as best he can and just taking things sort of race by race from there i guess yeah definitely i can't agree more um so obviously so red bull have got well Red Bull slash Verstappen have now got five podiums, two wins this season. How much of that do you think is Red Bull actually getting close to the top two? How much of that do you think is just Verstappen being phenomenal? And how much of that do you think is Honda as well? Because another another uh, candidate for most improved team this year is probably Honda because they are really, really doing their job this yeah, year, I think. Honda is a supplier, definitely. Um it's it's difficult because I think that Gasly stepped into a very, very tricky seat in the sense that Max has improved year on year. I don't think there's any doubt about that. Um, he is currently on some supreme form and managing to always be there to take advantage of anything that's going on with the two teams ahead of them. Um, and Pierre's problem was Ricardo was also capable of doing the same thing Max is capable of doing, yeah. which is always sniffing around that podium position. Anyone comes together, has a has a disaster in the pits, like whatever it might be, any reason that those top four aren't sitting as that top four, both Max and Danny were were sniffing at that. Yeah. And and were ready to to strike. And Pierre's never really been in that position once I don't think I don't think there's any point this season where I've kind of sat watching a race and thought oh, Pierre's got a chance at a podium here other than <laughs> maybe the fourth in Britain but I don't think even then I really believed it <laughs> so no. it's like I, I just never never had that faith whereas before we did so I think it's a little bit of both I think Gasly has maybe underperformed the car a little bit but I also think that Max is definitely out. I guess you can't outperform a car. It's not possible, is it? The car, the car's capable of what he's capable of, but Max is the man to get the ultimate best out of it. Um, yeah, and there's only, there's only a few people on the grid that I think can do that. Lewis is one of them. 
Max is one of them. And I think Seb has been one of them, but maybe isn't currently. I'm sorry, Ferrari fans and sorry, Seb fans, (laughs) but I don't think he's quite had that edge about him this year. I think he can be in the right car. Yes, and I think he's just struggling at the moment. Whereas I think Verstappen would do that in any car you put him in. Yeah, and I think Lewis is capable of getting the best out of any car you put him in. And then Charles is the one with the potential to have that, but not quite unlocked it yet. Because there's moments where Charles is absolutely world-class. And then there's other moments where you sort of remember that he's 20 and he's still learning and he's not actually been in the sport that long. And he calls himself stupid on the radio. <laughs> I, th- I think that's one of Charles's best features, to be honest. We've kind of segued a little bit into talking about Ferrari as well. But yes, I think that's one of his best features is the fact that, you know, he's the one that's willing to criticise himself and... He he doesn't go. Oh, the car snapped with oversteer. Oh, the, I was getting understeer. You know, the, the tires were gone. I, I don't think I've ever heard things like that from him after a mistake. You don't really hear him make excuses, do you? He, he he just turns around and says, "I'm really sorry, guys. Like I lost the car, and it's that it's that level headedness enough to know that he was just pushing too far and or, or trying to get beyond the limits of what was possible for that yeah. scenario. And I think that's why you'll learn quick, but. Yeah, going back to the original question that led me there, <laughs> I, I do think it's a bit of both. Like Verstappen outperforming alongside some Honda improvements and yeah. then Pierre being a little bit underperforming. And it, it would be really interesting to see if Albon gets anywhere near a, a podium and, and anything like that in the remainder of the season following Max. It'd be great to see. Mm. I think going up against Max... It, it could do one of two things, really, couldn't it? It could either really spur him on because he's got a ridiculously fast teammate to chase and work alongside, but it could also really knock him. Uh, as And I hope that he he goes into it, like you were saying earlier, as um, more of a, I need to get here, I need to finish consistently as high as possible and not worry so much about beating Max because that's not my goal. My goal here is to be consistent and getting the best out of the car. And I think he's got to look at it like that, like you were saying before. And as long as he does, I think we'll see some good drives out of Album. Yeah, agreed. Yeah. Um, so yeah, on to Ferrari officially. <laughs> They're second with 288 points, not really that far in front of Red Bull, um, only 44 points in it. Uh, Vettel is fourth in the standings with 156 points. Leclerc fifth with 132 points. In terms of those head-to-head numbers, um, it's all tied in qualifying um, with 6-6. Vettel's had a pull and Leclerc's had two. Um, Racers, it's 8-4 Vettel. Vettel's finished second three times and Leclerc's finished second once. It's, I find it very interesting that Max is the only non-Mercedes driver to win a race this year, personally. Yeah, it's you would just never have guessed this before the season, would you? No. Ferrari have just... I don't know, it it just feels like everything they got right in pre-season worked at Barcelona, but when they try and replicate that elsewhere, they just can't seem to get the car back in that window where it works so well yeah and it's and and then on top of that i mean to be fair to them they've still made some strategic 
interesting decisions this year, but not nearly as much as they have in previous years. Like that is definitely an area they've improved this year, I think. But the car performance has just not been there for them, has it? Is it the car performance hasn't been there, or is it is it that it was never quite there? <laughs> have, well, have yeah. we all have we all tricked ourselves into? believing that the Ferrari was better or maybe they have they robbed us with some poor strategy and so on. I think maybe if it's anything, it's that poor strategy has robbed us rather than car performance itself. I mean, there've definitely been moments this season where they have been the fastest. I guess the Bahrain's a good example of the car robbing us because I don't think there's any doubt in anyone's mind that Charles would have won Bahrain were it not for the engine. Oh, absolutely. Or, well, the power unit going on him. Um, Azerbaijan, he uh, he would have been on pole had he not stuck it in the wall. And I think yeah. there's a very good chance he'd have won from pole. Yeah. Um, where else? Canada, they... I mean, they won on the road, <laughs> but we all know what happened there. Um... Austria, they came very close. It's 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 always there or thereabouts, isn't it? But they just can't seem to convert speed into results for one reason or another. And I think that's the difficult part, is it's not like there's been one problem that's been holding them back. It's been it's been driver error or it's been due decisions or it's been car issues. It's kind of a a perfect storm of lots of little individual things, isn't it? Yeah, I, that's a good way to put it. Actually, I'd not really thought about it like that until you said it out loud. And it, it kind of is. Is like it, there's nothing consistently wrong there. I guess is there. There's there's been times of the struggle with the tires. There's been times where they've had issues um, that have like led to retirements and, and well, not necessarily retirements because it just cost them the win, didn't it? It caused them to lose places, not, not yeah. necessarily retirements. There's been times where the drivers have made mistakes and so on. So it's, and there's been strategy things. So there's a little bit of everything in there, isn't it? It's just, I think it's just Mercedes being Mercedes in that position of the dominance that we've talked about in the past and being willing to try those double stack maneuvers and having the confidence to, to pull what are generally risky things out of the bag strategy wise, because they know that if it doesn't quite go right, they've got, pacing the drivers and the car in hand um so yeah I, I really hope that we get a strong end to the season from ferrari I, I, do, I don't think there's any way of them realistically getting anywhere near mercedes now for the constructors no that's pretty much gone points wise obviously mathematically it's there but it's it's gonna take something insane for it to to actually come to fruition i think isn't it um, and I guess that probably leads us on a little bit to Mercedes with their lead in the constructors on 438 points, which is a huge gap. Um, Hamilton first with 250 points, which is the equi- equivalent of 10 wins from 12 races. <laughs> Put that in perspective for a moment. Um, and Bottas is second with 188 points. Um, what still surprises me at the moment is how close Max is to Valtteri. Um, yeah. 181 points to 188. Like There is a an honest risk, I think, that 
Max could maybe sneak that second place away from Valtteri if Valtteri doesn't get his act together, I guess. For like, yeah, definitely. what we saw at the start of the season appears to have uh, fallen away a little bit with Valtteri, I think. And it's not, um, I don't think he's performing that poorly, but I think he has struggled with the Hamilton that we always see, which is that sort of fight back under pressure. Like if, if, if Lewis knows that everything needs to be on the line to, to beat his teammate, to beat his championship rival, he's got that like next step that he kind of always, he reserves for when he ultimately needs it. And he's gone into that, I think in, in recent times because he knows that he needs to, in, in order to, what was a very strong Valtteri Bottas at the start of the season and I think Valtteri's maybe fallen away from that challenge a little bit or or maybe isn't capable of going that much further so it's not that he's performing any worse it's just that Lewis has started performing better than he was at the start of the season yeah I mean he does seem to just get better every year doesn't he at the moment um I, f- I kind of feel like with Bottas that he's kind of seems to have fallen in a bit of a rut again. Mm. And I think part of that is once he kind of had a couple of knockbacks, he sort of started going backwards a little bit. But also all this media speculation around whether he's going to keep his seat or not, like having that on top of you, as much yeah. as he may say he ignores it and doesn't think about it, it's got to kind of play on you as time goes on. And like after after the first four or five races, it really did feel like this was going to be Bottas's year where he could properly take the fight to Hamilton for the whole season. And what is he behind now? Almost seventy points. You yeah. just can't see, can't see him bringing that back, can you? At the moment, no. Like if he came back with an extremely strong performance in Spa, then. I'd reserve judgment, I guess. <laughs> but, yeah, if he can win in Spa and Hamilton get taken out in the first corner, then maybe. <laughs> I don't. I don't know if he even needs that. I think it just needs to be one of those performances where he he's very, very much on top of Lewis because it's not like we haven't seen that this season. We've we've seen races where it's been Bottas's weekend, like he's had the best of the weekend, and in some of those scenarios, he hasn't necessarily come out in top on all uh, on top in all fronts it's just that he's looked very strong all weekend and maybe had a bit of bad luck or something like yeah. that and he was so unlucky last year i think to not pick up a win because of the fact that things just kept falling away from him a little bit like what's happening to charles this year actually now i think about it like yeah getting so close and then something just falling away um it's it feels like it's a very similar season in that respect <laughs> for charles but I just hope that Bottas maybe recharges over this break and comes back because in terms of a title fight, I don't think Max has really got the capability to take that title fight to Lewis. If anyone can, it's Valtteri. And it's not against Max, it's just against the fact that the car's not good enough to go all the way to the end with a Mercedes. Yeah, totally. Um Plus the fact that with Max doing so well, it's stopping the Ferrari drivers catching Hamilton as well. So Max yeah. is kind of putting that at the equation as well. Yeah. Um, 
a, a sad thing for Bottas is that at this point, Hamilton only needs to come second in every race and he'll still win the championship. If Bottas wins every race now and Hamilton comes second, Hamilton will still win the title by a point. Okay, so, so he Bottas, definitely does need some DNFs or something. He or some needs bad results, or at least some it? bad results, yeah, yeah. which it's hard to see happening because Hamilton's probably driving, as we said, as well, if not better, than he's ever driven before. Yeah. Yeah. What we need is more races where it's near the top of a mountain in like 40 degree heat or more races with an absolute monsoon because that seems to be the only way the Mercedes can be beaten this season. <laughs> yeah, it's, we just need some more tracks where it might be an issue. For, Mexico might prove interesting this year, I think. Yeah, possibly. Because, Singapore can always throw up a, yeah. something weird as well, as can Japan. Looking at the rest of the calendar, I think realistically, Japan could give us something interesting depending on the weather because we do sometimes get that that rain factor involved yeah. in Japan, like what we saw in Germany. Mexico is altitude and heat, so fingers crossed that gives us another yeah. Austria. Um, Italy, I would hope that Ferrari can use their power advantage that we still believe they have over the Mercedes. Um, and Same for Belgium as well. It. Yeah. So there's definitely races on that list. And like you say, Singapore's a street circuit, so it's it's very tight and it causes issues for drivers, I guess, because a mistake and you're in the wall. Especially um, if we get a sprinkling of rain again. Yeah. So fingers crossed, like there, there is races there to add a bit of drama. There's still um, banana skins out there. Yeah, and... I just hope that the the good run of races that we've had since Austria kind of continues because it'd be a shame for everyone to be so like pumped up. I think maybe the summer break came at the worst possible time this yeah. year because the last four races have all had something thrilling or exciting about them that everybody's been talking about, and then we've suddenly got this three week break where <laughs> there's next there's nothing going on, and it's a it's a shame that it came when it did, I guess, but. Maybe maybe the engineers and the mechanics and stuff feel differently because they finally get to have a week weekend or <laughs> yeah, two maybe. with their families. <laughs> so um, yeah, it'd be interesting to see where the rest of the season goes. Um, I guess that's it for roundup, isn't it? We could do some inbox since we've got so many built up. <laughs> yeah, let's dig into the inbox. Do you want to go for the first one? Yeah, I'll start us off uh, with uh, Tim Panzee says Mercedes and McLaren have overperformed. Uh, McLaren have improved and impressed so far this season. Gasly struggled at the start of the season, but has picked up momentum. So I'm not sure if it's the correct call from Red Bull, but we will see very soon. Mm. We certainly will. Um, I think the interesting point of that for me is Mercedes overperform. It being in the same sentence. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, do you expect anything other than peak performance for Mercedes at this point is it even possible for Mercedes to overperform yeah I guess this is a little bit like what we're talking about with McLaren like McLaren is not necessarily an overperform but it's a huge improvement I think maybe Mercedes have just dealt with the Ferrari threat better than people expected them to so yeah. I think overperform makes sense but it's probably not how I'd see it I'd see it as a I don't know, dealing with the pressure better. <laughs> I don't know yeah, how to put I mean, it. Really, it's really difficult to word, which I guess is why you fall with overperform as a word. Ultimately, it's the team that's won the last five championships. So yeah. 
equal performance, he's still another world championship. <laughs> Definitely. Definitely. Uh, Katie O'Brien says, uh, Kubica is underperforming and Russell's driving the wheels off the Williams. So disappointed with Renault. I was expecting more from Ricardo, but I'm biased because he's my fave. Uh, McLaren, one of my favorite teams this year, total 360 from previous years. Uh, P.S. I'm re-listening to old podcasts and you should bring back Are They Better Than Bruno Senna? <laughs> <laughs> We've talked about this, actually. We've talked about whether we need a new yardstick because Bruno Senna's kind of not doing as much these days. Yeah. So maybe if anyone can think of a new yardstick driver we can use that's got like a bit of wide experience in different things, um, we'd be interested to see what your suggestions <laughs> yeah. are. Yeah. Who is the new Bruno Senna yardstick? <laughs> uh, next spare change says overperform McLaren I don't think we expected them to be a clear number four team I think I'd agree with that uh, underperformed Haas but that's a train wreck that still hasn't stopped <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean it's we've actually not mentioned all the stuff going on off track with Haas as well this season like just as daft as it sounds I don't want to give that man or the company well no there is that but it's like but if it, if it was off track shenanigans or on track shenanigans, like one or the other is bad, but this year they've just had both. Yeah. <laughs> Train wreck is kind of the right word for it. Definitely. Uh, next, Patrick Brewston. I hope I've said that right. Uh, is underperformed really a question? I believe there's a certain Miss Claire Williams who can answer that. Uh, yeah. It's, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's not false, though, is it? <laughs> But improving. Yeah, underperformed, Maybe. but at least improving. There is that. Uh, George Edgerson says, most improved team, McLaren, least improved, Haas. Uh, yeah, I'm going backwards, definitely yeah. counts as least improved. <laughs> uh, most underperforming, Williams. Uh, best rookie, Lando. Worst rookie, Antonio, which kind of goes along with what we said. Uh, best veteran, Hamilton. Worst veteran, Grosjean. <laughs> <laughs> uh, best comeback, Kvyat. Is anyone else a comeback? Which, yeah. Would be the question. Yeah. Hmm. Oh, Kub- we'll give Kub- him anyway. Kubica would be a comeback, I guess. So yes, yes. Kvyat is doing better with his comeback than Kubica is with his. So yeah. And then interestingly, he says most likely to improve after summer break, Force India, and most likely to falter after summer break, McLaren. Ooh. I don't know if I, I don't think I agree with the McLaren one. Not sure I do either. Uh, the the Force India one's an interesting one because. Force India would have to improve a lot given that they don't exist anymore. Well, yeah. <laughs> See, I keep forgetting this. <laughs> Me too, I only just realised. Yeah, um, Racing Point is an interesting one. Um, from memory, they've always had an okay time at Belgium, haven't they? They have, but yeah. I guess that was maybe all... having a Mercedes powertrain in the back. Possibly, yeah. And they always seem to have a better second half of the year than first half as well, mm. so... Might be on something there. Interesting. Uh, Brooke Archer said, McLaren are most improved for sure. Lando is undoubtedly the best performing rookie and Carlos has improved from last year. A team to watch for me. Um, yeah, it's just seen, completely agree. seen McLaren a lot in this, which is nice. It warms my heart as a fan <laughs> that they're getting all the love. Well, Gabriel uh, Unversgat also says Lando and Signs have definitely overperformed. Do, there's, there's a lot of McLaren love this week. Do we think they've overperformed though? Maybe, maybe um, outperformed expectation. Yeah, definitely. I think for a rookie, Lando has definitely done more than would have been expected from yeah, him. Yeah, I'd agree. 
Uh, and then the last one from this week, uh, David Sinot says, I'm a Ricardo fan, so no comment. <laughs> <laughs> um, Fair. Yeah, and we, we did have a few from last week, which apologies we didn't get a chance to, but we got so into talking about the grid, <laughs> we ran out of time to do <laughs> them. So there's just a few here that are still relevant, I think. So we'll we'll go through them, I guess. Yeah, first, uh, Owen Finley says, I recall you guys saying you do a predicted grid for the new season during the holiday break, which we did. Uh, would you consider doing a fantasy grid, including realistic past drivers? Uh, he's suggested Alonso and Verstappen at Mercedes, Oof. Leclerc and Sainz at Ferrari, wow. uh, Ricardo and Norris at Red Bull. Think of the last. <laughs> uh, Seb and Kimi at Alpha, reunited at Alpha, um, and Hamilton and Russell at Williams. Um is it, I, I mean, we're not going to do a full grid right now, but are there any drivers that's realistic past drivers that spring to you mind? You know who I'm going to say. Everybody everybody listening to this knows exactly who I'm about <laughs> to say. Everybody does. Yeah. And you're going to say the same one, so... <laughs> I, mean, I mean, yeah, it's Jensen, isn't it? It's Jensen. There is one, actually, I'd love to see back um, if he ever wanted to do it or ever felt he was capable of doing it, and that's one Pablo Montoya. I loved him. Yes, I would also very much um, like to see him back. A delight on the grid, Juan Pablo. Um, Katie O'Brien last week, this is a double double entry. Um, bloody <laughs> helmet, <laughs> honestly. WTF <laughs> are we doing here? I'm not Gasly's greatest fan, but geez, he's, uh, that's going to take a strong character to overcome. Red Bull are going to quickly become the driver academy no one wants to be a part of. Um, and also massive congrats to Jamie Chadwick after her win. Um, yeah, I I think Red Bull are already suffering from that problem of nobody wants to be part of them because they are struggling to have drivers that are able to come up and replace anyone that's in F1 at the minute so yes they're already fallen victim especially especially given that they only seem to ever want to promote drivers that are part of their driver program they never mm. seem to look outside of their own team yeah Potentially need to rethink as the years go on, I think. Or they just need to be a little bit kinder to the drivers that are in the program. Have some that, chill. That could work a little bit. <laughs> um, Brooke Archer also says, how good for Jamie Chadwick to take the W Series title. Could she be taking a seat at Williams next year? Uh, or even Red Bull if they continue their trickery. <laughs> um, I'd, I'd recommend she steers well clear of the Red Bull program. Yeah. Um, do you know what? I wouldn't discount her as doing a lot more uh, test stuff for Williams next season, maybe even getting the opportunity to do like an FP1 here or there, like Susie Wolf did. Uh, that, that'd be nice to see yeah. for sure. And comes back to your point from last week, I guess, of that's W Series working for the better. Yeah. Um, I mean, she couldn't take a seat yet because she doesn't have enough super license points. Yes, but that's true. Assuming she comes back to defend her W Series title, it will be giving super license points next year. Yeah. Um, so that will definitely set her on the, the path. And I, I definitely think in terms of women getting into Formula 1, she is the best prospect right now. And I really think she stands a good chance of it. Definitely. Couldn't agree with that more. Um, Charlotte Taylor asked, <laughs> uh, with Albon being chosen over Kvyat, what is Kvyat now aiming for? Red Bull don't seem to want him back and Mercedes and Ferrari have other drivers on their books if they need a driver change. Will Kvyat have the chance to drive for a top team? Kind of all depends on Albon, doesn't it, really? Mm. I, I like the fact that there's plenty of people out there that 
are seeing Albon's opportunity at Red Bull not as Kvyat being overlooked, but more as a we know what Daniel is capable of because he's been here before, um, and we've seen his improvement in Toro Rosso. We know what Gasly's capable of because he's been here for half a season. Let's basically see where this third driver is in in that order yeah. and see if he has the potential to be better than Daniel or if ultimately it's going to be Albon and Gasly at Toro Rosso next year. And I like that that's what people are thinking in a way because I feel bad for Daniel Kvyat not getting that seat. Like... I've said yeah. for weeks that I think that they would let Gasly see out the season, partly because they said that themselves, but I thought that if anyone was going to get the seat, it would be Daniel because Albon's not quite ready yet. So it will be interesting to see where it ends up next season. But I wouldn't write Daniel off quite just yet. No. Um, I do think if he doesn't get the Red Bull seat next year, he probably won't stick around in F1 much more than next season. I can see him going off to to WEC or maybe even IndyCar or something like that. Yeah, definitely. But we shall see. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm still sticking with my prediction from last week that Albon's going to do enough to get that seat next year. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm really like undecided about it, as in... I'm glad he's got the opportunity and I really want him to be able to grab it with both hands and, and win the seat like full time, I guess you'd say. Yeah. Um, but I'm also still annoyed at Red Bull for doing it the way they've done it. <laughs> I, 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 what annoys me is like all the media, no, no, it's staying as it is. Da, da, da. And fair enough, the talks with Pierre might have been happening behind closed doors for, for weeks of, you know, you need to be performing better. Otherwise that change is coming and, and he may have known about it like two races ago or something, which is why his performance didn't improve over the last couple of races. But yeah, it's more, more how it's been done rather than what's been done. I think for me. Well, I think we said a few weeks ago, as soon as they started saying, Oh, he's going nowhere. He's here to the end of the season. We were kind of like that. That's the clock ticking. Like, yeah. as soon as Red Bull True. say that, then you need to be watching your back. True. Uh, finally, Sarah Mella, uh, do you think both Haas drivers will be on the grid in 2020 in any car? Um, I guess. We, I mean, obviously, we talked about this a bit yeah. last week, but I think we both agreed that Grosjean's time is probably done. I, I think out of the two of them, if if anyone's going personally, I think it's Grosjean. Um, yeah. I just think that Magnussen's got better potential in F1 out of the two of them. I just yeah, he is. He is a quick driver. Like, mm. he, however you view some of his um, overtaking and defending and shenanigans, he is undoubtedly a quick driver. Yeah, I think there's a lot of teams in the grid that would take him. And Roman's had now his second attempt at this. Um, yeah, he had his issues the first time round, and then. He looked like he was over that kind of stuff, but the last couple of seasons he's had these like really low points where he just doesn't seem to be able to get in the the right mood to to perform with the car, and I think that's his downfall at the minute. Is he's getting far too downbeat? Maybe a change of scenery if he did find another seat would help him, but the problem Maybe. is is when he's performing like he is because of his downbeatness, then he's not going to get the opportunity of another seat. So it's, 
he's got to perform to get the other opportunities, but he can't perform because he maybe thinks he needs one. So, yeah, he's like on the plus side, he's not really this year having these big kind of incidents that characterize his last couple of seasons. But then on the negative side, he's just been quite slow. <laughs> so, neither's great, but at least his performances this year aren't dramatically bad. Yeah, that's He's true. He's just generally a bit slow. Generally. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and that wraps us up for what has been, I guess, a mid-season review. <laughs> that's what it's that's what it's been has. called. <laughs> so that's what, yep, that's what it's it is now. Um, if you would like to be in touch with us in any way, shape or form uh, between now and next episode, you can do so by finding us on Twitter which is Back of the Grid F1. You can find us on Facebook by doing a search for Back of the Grid, and we're on Instagram at Back of the Grid as well. You can also head to backofthegrid.com where there's the contact form and you can register for the Predictions League if you haven't already for the remainder of the season and seasons beyond. Um, never too late to join in with that. So get on it. Um, that is it for this week. Um, next week will be our... Spa preview, won't it? That's come around quicker than yes. I expected it to. It really has, actually. Yeah. His summer break's flown by. Yeah. Speaking of which, I'd better go and water Stu's plants again in the next couple of days. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure they're fine, Stu. Don't worry about it. I hope this is the way that he finds out that you've not been watering the plants. Would be <laughs> They're fine. No, they're, it's all good. Everything's, Everything's fine. fine. No need to worry. Okay. okay. Um, <laughs> on that note, <laughs> I will say goodbye because uh, you need to get off and go water some plants, it would seem. <laughs> Bye, everyone. <laughs> Bye. Another somewhat underperforming team is Renault. They are 6th with 39 points. Uh, Magnussen is 13th with 18 of those points. Grosjean... Oh, hang on a minute, I've written that down wrong. <laughs> oh, I forgot to change <laughs> I was that. really confused oh, for a God. second. It, do you know what? The Magnussen thing... <laughs> the Magnussen thing didn't even register at first because he used to be at Renault. <laughs> yeah. So I was like, Magnussen, I've just forgot to change that one for some reason. Uh, the back of my brain was like, something doesn't feel right and I cannot work out what. Max doesn't have the car to give that title fight, I don't think. And No. Just let me just, can you hear that? Is that I can, yeah. Right, just let me very quickly see what he wants, I'm sorry. <laughs> Bloody pets. <laughs>